CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer, as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at a current events in the world, how they tie into biblical prophecy, and what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? Again, if you've been reading your Bible and pray and hope that you have been and uh, come across something you don't quite understand, that's why we like to be here for you each and every weekday afternoon. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, comes on after to every man and answer, Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church, Dallas-Fort Worth, and also the program called Livewire. Um, Hard, hardwired. Hardwired. <laughs> it's, but it's live. Yeah, it, yeah it's but, good, that too. <laughs> yeah, it's that too. Uh, yeah. Uh, but hey, Jeff, hi, welcome. You, hey, good to be with you. I appreciate that, Mike. And uh, looking forward to some great questions today. Yes, it's so easy to get it mixed up. Hardwired, livewired. It used to be called Life Talk, and then we changed the name and went to Hardwired because when you take two wires and you put them together, then power is transferred. And uh, so that's that's how we receive electricity when things are hardwired together and the power flows. And we like thinking about how Jesus makes people alive who once were dead in their trespasses and sins. So we decided to go with hardwired. And uh, of course, it's on the, the great CSN that we love and appreciate. Uh, many other stations, um, solo stations in the Philippines and a few others in the United States. And so uh, God has really, really blessed us uh, with the ability to reach all those people. And I believe, Mike, we're going to have a great show today, great program, and I'm looking forward to it. Good to be with you. Well, you know, this week, uh, tomorrow, many locations, the uh, the movie Jesus Revolution opens, the life story of Greg Laurie. Now, it does carry some of the early Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa history, but it's really not a documentary on Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. It's really just Greg Laurie's life story, how he got saved, how God uh, and, and against what the world would say, incredible odds, but with God, all things are possible. God has used him to reach literally tens, hundreds of thousands of people and heard by millions of people each day on his radio show, uh, New Beginning. Uh, and so we're just really grateful that we are able to go and watch that. So uh, if it opens around you, I've seen it. I, I, I felt it was very well worth my time to watch it. We had a preview showing of it. And, uh, yeah, Jeff, I think it's going to be exciting time. Yeah. You know, uh, my story and Greg's are very similar. Greg was a hippie, uh, druggie and was out there just doing the hippie thing. When he got saved, he came from a, uh, very dysfunctional home. I heard him telling his story on Sunday on the radio on my way home from church. I heard him give his testimony. My story, very similar. I was just saved in juvenile home in there for drugs because I was a hippie and doing the drug thing and Jesus saved me in juvenile home. And, and, uh, so we're very, we're the same age and we've, we've got a, a, just a lot of the parallel, uh, story. So I'm looking forward to it. I've got my ticket for next Wednesday and I can't wow. wait to see the Jesus revolution because I came out of that. 
I came as I was birthed into Christ in the midst of the Jesus Revolution. That incredible move of the Holy Spirit that went all over the world with, we might add, Mike, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, probably millions of people saved. And uh, it was just an incredible sovereign move of God. I would encourage anybody, go see that movie coming out. I think it comes out this week. Yeah. Well, I'm going to see it next week. So looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, when uh, the uh, Jesus movement was around. And of course, uh, it's where um, music then began to carry the lyrics about Jesus rather than about the world. Uh, broke out of the hymnals, which which so many people, uh, especially the younger people, had objection to. And so uh, it was really a radical time, but lots of people got saved. And of course, I rededicated my life during that particular time as well. Uh, I was raised in church. I, I always share this with people. You know, I uh, you know, you have, you, you read about Nikki Cruz crossing the switchblade, you know, in the, in the gangs in New York and all this. I suppose if I was going to write a book, my life book would be uh, crossing the butter knife because I didn't have all those, I didn't <laughs> yeah. have all those, those horrific experiences. But nevertheless, I was still lonely and empty inside because I knew I wanted to love God, but I, th- where I went to church, they only loved you if you looked like they did. You know, the suits and ties, you know, saved and shorn, you know, yeah. well, you know, the thing is, the more I read the Bible, the more I realized that God loves everybody, not just those that look like you. And uh, so exactly, that was a, a radical thing for me uh, to see, uh, go to a church and have people with uh, wingtips on sitting next to uh, people with flip-flops, girls with halter tops on sitting next to ladies with dresses. I mean, it was every kind of person in the world that was there, but what was so neat about it, they weren't there to put on a fashion show. They were there because they love God. And, and I, and that really changed my life because I'd read about it all my life growing up in the church, but then when it came to, you know, going to church, I never saw it practice. But then in the Jesus movement, I was able to really see that you, yeah, you, you love people of different color, different classes, different dresses, different all kinds of things. And it didn't yeah. matter if you, when you walked into the building, if you were rich or poor, drove a Porsche or an old piece of junk, it didn't matter because we weren't yeah. there on the status. We were there on our relationship with God. And man, I'll tell you, it changed my life. And I remember being in church and I went and, and I guess I just about given up on church. I, I, I was raised in, raised in church. Like I said, they only loved you if you look like they do or joined their club. And I remember I got invited to go hear a Jesus band. And I thought, Oh, I told my friend Jim, I said, Hey, let's go out there. You know, it might be some cute girls and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll go out there. It's probably 16 singing men, but you know, it, it's, it's something to do on a, on a, on a Friday or a Saturday night. So we drove out there and I walked in and here's a, a Jesus band. They had long hair and guitars and they were singing. And I go, what in the world is this? And so, and I looked at the crowd and everybody was looked different that, like I say, you had coats and ties and you had people with flip flops and I never saw that before. And I remember just feeling God's love in the place. And I remember I got down on my knees. I was about three quarters of the way back, everybody standing and worshiping, but I got down on my knees in the chair there in the pew. And I just said, Lord, if there's any way I can ever repay you for letting me come to this place. 
and and really seeing for the first time what I believed was God's unconditional love. I want to do that for you. You know, and that came I, at just the right time for me, Mike, that whole yeah. revival, because I had long hair way past my shoulders. I was a hippie. And, and you know, even the, the rock group, The Who, sang about the teenage wasteland. And my entire generation were sucked into the drug culture, you know, the tune in, turn on, drop out message of Timothy Leary, uh, you know, Kent State and, you know, the assassination of Kennedy. And uh, our nation was just upside down. And in came the drug culture, you know, right on the heels of the Beatles invasion, you know, the Vietnam uh, War. The, yeah, the Vietnam War. And I jumped in hook, line and sinker. And when it came time for me to hear the gospel and receive Christ, I was in juvenile home, you know, jail for teenagers. And I had never heard the, I had, that's what it is. It is. And I had never heard the gospel in my entire life. My, I wasn't raised in a religious family in any way, shape or form. So, um, when I heard it, I got saved, but I had no idea how am I going to fit in, you know, with my long hair, you know, blue jean, bell bottoms, the whole thing. How am I going to fit in in any of these churches? I had seen churches. I had seen who attended them. If you were a man, you were in a suit. If you were a woman, you were in a dress. And that was anything but me. So for Love Song, the first contemporary Christian group that came along, uh, and the whole Jesus movement comprised of the long-haired hippies that Chuck Smith so effectively reached, it came in the nick of time for me because I could latch onto that contemporary Christian music and I could see people in churches that looked like me. And boy, I, I, so I was able to fit in when probably five years before I would never have been able to fit in. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a very, very important time and much needed. I think again today, I think, I think we really need to see that again, the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit, not Johnny jump up, not, not, you know, some kind of a, of a, religious TV show, but rather a real genuine outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because it was so important in the early church act back in Acts chapter two. And it was so important there. I remember in the tent with Lonnie Frisbee and I knew Lonnie Frisbee personally. And, and, uh, he just had supernatural gifts. I, uh, I, I remember he was, he, he, he was in a service and he said, somebody over here is getting healed of flashbacks. And uh, a guy jumps up and comes running down. It's me. It's me. The guy had a bad, uh, acid trip and blew away half his head. He said he'd look in a mirror and he could only see half his face. That's oh how, how damaged the, 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 mm. the, uh, the brain was in him. Mm. And God completely healed him. And he went on to be a pastor in San Diego, California. I've had him on with us before. His name is Mike McIntosh. And what a Can blessing. Can he see his other, the other side of his face now? Can he see huh? it? Has he been healed to see the other side of his face? Oh, he's completely healed. God completely did that. But I mean, I mean, a lot of the, the fake stuff we see now in the Christian world he was the real deal. Uh, he yeah. would walk up to somebody and say, God's shown me that you, you know, and he'd just start reading their life to them and they would just break out into tears. It was the most incredible thing to see 
how uh, the real Holy Spirit, not not Johnny Jump Up, how many pews you can knock over, swing on chandelier stuff, but this that was really of God, not a show, but really to bring a person into a deeper relationship with God, and 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 uh, and, and it was no. Honestly, it was no wonder that there was a tremendous revival because, again, just as it was in Acts chapter two, um, we find it, we find that today. And so, you know, there's so many unfortunate churches that say, well, the miracles ceased with the apostles. No, they didn't. They did not because they didn't start with the apostles. And this is something that these people and churches overlook. Miracles are all the way through the Bible, from the Old Testament, whether it's Moses parting the sea, to to the the miracles that God did in front of Pharaoh, all these things, all the way through the Bible. They didn't start in Acts chapter 2, so why would they end in the last chapter of the book of Acts? But yet today, well, those were just to help people believe in God and to uh, get the church established, and then they all went away. That which is perfect has come. Speaking of the Bible, that which Mm -hmm. is in part will be done away with, and so there are no more gifts of the Spirit. That is wrong interpretation of Scripture. That which is perfect has come is speaking of Jesus Christ. And until he comes, we need these gifts of the Spirit, because I believe they are very much a key to revival in the world today. And so, yeah, the, it's called cessationism. And if you don't believe the miracles are good anymore, then you're a cessationist, meaning they have ceased. And, and not surprisingly, our very first question on the air is about revival. Let's Gee, go to it. Jamie. Shocker. Jamie, yeah. North, uh, North Richmond Hills, Texas. Hi, welcome. Hi. <clears throat> I was, um, have been noticing that there's been revivals breaking out everywhere. Uh, in the United States, and I was wondering, is there a place in the Bible where it talks about uh, revivals just before the second coming, about the rapture? Okay, Jeff, your thoughts. Well, revival, um, first of all, revival begins all every single time I've ever known about when people prayed first. So revival, in a, in a way, uh, is hinging upon people deciding to get together and pray, pray it down. That's true of the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Welsh Revival, the Finney Revivals. You can go into church history with any of the truly great revivals <laughs> somebody prayed before they ever happened. Now, whether or not they're predicted in the scriptures before Christ comes, uh, I think there's a there's a mixed bag there, there, or there's a mixed message, or not a mixed message, but there's a double-pronged prophecy, would put it better. Um, because the Bible clearly predicts that before the return of Christ, there's going to be a great apostasy. People are going to walk away from the faith, depart from the faith. Paul wrote, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines taught by devils. So you're going to have this departure from the faith, the genuine faith in Christ, on the part of many. Uh, Jesus even asked the question, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's a very haunting question. So there is that, and I believe that's true. I believe that there is, right now, clearly, in the world, a great apostasy. You, you can point to entire denominations. I could name them, the Episcopalian, Methodist, uh, several denominations that used to be pillars and grounds of the truth, 
But now they have totally renounced scripture, laid it aside. The Methodist church is in a complete national split over the uh, United Methodist Church nationally, uh, siding with the LGBTQ uh, agenda and refusing to um, not hire and appoint and anoint gay priests and uh, to marry same-sex couples. So there's been a total split. And you can see that across the denominational spectrum. So there is an apostasy, a walking away. Apostasy means a, a renouncing, a denouncing the original, real, genuine faith in Christ. It's it's a shunning it. It's casting it aside. And we see that happening all around us. Uh, famous Christian celebrities um, standing up and announcing on social media, they no longer believe in Christ. And these were people well-known by hundreds of thousands of people. So, But they're renouncing their faith. So that is happening. On the other hand, I believe the verse is true. If my people call by my name, will humble themselves and pray, uh, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Second Chronicles 7.14. So the healing of the land and genuine revival, I believe, to a large part, hinges on God's people saying, you know what, I've had enough of what I'm seeing happening around me. You can't, we can no longer even tell if we're a boy or a girl, or which bathroom to walk into, confusion and fear and defeat has entered into our country. And so the church finally gets to the place where we say, we've got to pray. We've got to intercede. We've got to touch God and ask him to send revival. And I believe when that happens, revival comes. So in answer to your question, Jamie, it's a it's a two-pronged prophetic uh, message from scripture and really uh, just I think it's happening in front of us. So Asbury and places like that we're seeing, you know, this massive worship. Uh, I don't know that I would call it a classic historical revival. Uh I have my reasons we can maybe go into that uh if Mike chooses to. Uh but uh it has certainly been a revival of worship and it has uh, broken out in other colleges. So there you have that. And on the other hand, apostasy all around us. So it's double-pronged, and I, I hope that helps. Yeah, I think we're going to see uh, this happen. Um, you're going to see people falling away. And at the same time, God's still not done. And uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is reaching out, calling people, for God so loved the world that whosoever would believe. I believe that this is the heart, the call of God in people's lives right now. And when you look around for answers from government, from our finances, they're not there. I I just read yesterday, uh, uh, Jeff, that that Seattle, Washington now is basically declared war on capitalism and embracing the whole socialism thing uh, there in uh, Seattle City proper. Well, it doesn't surprise me when they had all the stuff going on and hammering sickles on all the barricades downtown, a statue to uh, Joseph Stalin. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, uh, during the Kennedy administration, the um, uh, Harry Truman, these people would have been arrested and put in jail for treason. But now it's popularized. The very thing that John Kennedy, Democrat, went around the world to try to stop communism, now, now unfortunately, is 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 just uh, just crazy 
what we find going on, uh, now it's accepted. You have Bernie Sanders, an avowed socialist. Uh, during the during John Kennedy, they would have been arrested and put in prison. Uh, again, traitors, treason, this is it. And so Seattle falls in the same category. So we're in a very weird time right now. But a lot of people are really hungry for God's word. They're looking for answers. My prayer is everybody listening to this on CSN, we get to them before the cults do. We get to them before the socialists do. We get to them before the the underworld gets to them. Because again, people are going to believe something. And how will they hear unless there's somebody that comes and tells them? Well, blessed are the feet of those who bring tidings mm-hmm. of good news. And you know, Mike, when you look at a genuine historical awakening, a revival, whatever you want to call it. You look at the Great Awakening that swept uh, England and the early American colonies in the early 18th century. Uh, you had great preachers, Whitfield, the Wesleys, Jonathan Edwards, and other uh, luminaries that were involved in that revival. And England, when it broke out, and it broke out first there under Whitfield, um, England was in terrible shape, terrible uh, you know, it's, it was estimated that some ridiculously high percentage of the population had gin, uh, gin, uh, what do you call it? Were you, were you making, like making their own gin and moonshine in their homes? Uh, national drunkenness was truly epidemic. Child abuse was also pandemic, epidemic. Um, people were being hung in the gallows for pickpocketing. That's how bad it was. It was dark. The Church of England was DOA, uh, dead on arrival. Uh, there was absolute darkness over England until God touched, really, essentially, originally, three men, Whitfield and the Wesley brothers, who were praying together in Oxford. And they prayed that God would send a revival. And God just laid his hands on, uh, his hand on those young men. Whitfield started preaching in the fields. He talked Wesley into following him into the fields. And what uh, began in England jumped the, the ocean, came over into the early American colonies that were baptized in the Great Awakening revival. And it, and England was completely turned around. Uh, even Benjamin Franklin said, you walk down any common street in England during the Great Awakening, and you heard hymns being sung from the houses. So it was an incredible time. So America is in a dark time right now, extremely dark. I mean, crazy dark. But if God moved like he did then, listen, it could change. It could change almost in the blink of an eye. Amen. And so that's what we're looking for. Jamie, you know, and the other thing too, Jeff, maybe this is a good time to bring it up. I believe whenever there's a move of God, there's a counter move. And, and, um, we, we have a movie coming out, uh, and Jeff, tell us about this because what it's basically saying is de- Christians can be demon possessed and that is not scriptural. And again, um, I, I don't know why anybody would make such a goofy thing as this. Your thoughts? Well, this is a huge theological controversy moving through I think more charismatic and hyper charismatic churches than perhaps say a, a, a standard run of the mill Southern Baptist church. Uh, but this movie is called, uh, come out in Jesus name. Um, 
And the whole premise of it is that Christians need to be delivered of demons, that you can be saved, you can be water baptized, but if you keep being troubled by something, let's say fear or lust or an alcohol problem or whatever, then you need to go seek out deliverance and have demons cast out of you. And that is essentially the premise of this movie, as I understand it. And my only issue with that is, A, you don't find it in the Bible. <laughs> Big red flag right there. You don't find, Mike, anywhere in the New Testament, and I would challenge anybody listening, you know, if you can show me a verse, I'd love to see it. I'm open. But there is not one verse in the New Testament that shows a post-Pentecost, born-again, spirit-filled believer having a devil cast out of them in a deliverance. No, not, not anywhere. You don't find it. it. It's not there. And yet this movie, and it's a full-blown, you know, it's, I think it's a, I don't know how long it is, hour and a half, couple of hours, full-blown movie production, uh, stating and showing, uh, all these different deliverances of demons coming out of Christians. And, um, there are people out there who call themselves the demon slayers and uh th their whole ministry is to cast demons out of born again Christians for me mike i've learned a long time ago and all the audience please listen carefully uh i don't know everything mike doesn't know everything but i do know what the bible says regarding this and i've searched the scriptures when you start a movement that you cannot base firmly on the word of god uh it's not going to end well it's not going to produce good fruit. I know there's going to be people calling in probably who have been, quote, delivered of a demon when they were professing born-again Christians, and it changed their life and so on and so forth. And I say, great, but here's the thing. You, you can't let experience trump truth. Experience does not trump truth. Bible truth trumps everything, feelings, emotions, experience everything. And if I can't find it in scripture, I just can't, I can't embrace it. And this is also uh, slated to open up, I think in March in a couple of thousand theaters across America. And the only thing I would caution is uh, go into the New Testament and find one post-Pentecost born again, spirit-filled believer having a devil cast out. It's not there. So, Mike, maybe we can pick this up on the other side of the break. Yeah, because I think it's so important. I think because of the time we're in, uh, a counter move. And uh, can, can Christians be troubled by demons? Yes. Possessed? Absolutely not. Coming up on that break, we'll continue on the other side. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brant along with Sherry here. And so you hear me doing these spots from MediShare. And Sherry actually helps me with them. I get people actually in person saying, okay, Brant, for real, do you recommend this? Like, Yeah. Uh, for real, I actually do. I'm not just saying stuff. So family, friends ask me about it. I'm like, yes, you should look into this. It's really a great option for a lot of people. That's what I tell people. My experience has been MediShare has been fantastic for me. Yeah. It, it's so different from health insurance in a lot of great ways, honestly. It, yeah. And see, a lot of people who've switched tell me that it's the same reaction. They're very, very happy with it. And it gives them peace of mind and saves them a lot of money. I would tell people, look into it. Yep. Uh, so really, for reals, uh, if you want to talk to them, they're great to talk to. I think you'll be impressed and happy you looked into it. So 
Um, you do the phone number. I'm actually tired of doing all the phone numbers. Yeah. Okay. Call now. 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Nice job. Thanks. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable e-book called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Welcome you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Mike Kessler. And uh, once again, if you're in the Southern Idaho area, I'd like to invite you to church this Sunday. Ryan Reese, Raul Reese's son, will be speaking. And uh, we always enjoy Ryan's teaching. Such a good time. Great to bring especially younger people to. Because again, Ryan has uh, had a pretty torrid past, even being raised in a pastor's home, and yet uh, God did some miracles in his life. And so uh, always look forward to hearing Ryan Reese. He'll be at the River Christian Fellowship this Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. If you are unable to attend in person, you can pick it up on the radio at 1030 Mountain Time, Sunday morning. And... um Anywhere in the world, just adjust the time and you'll be able to hear him. I think it's good. You just really enjoy that. We're going to go back to the phones and we have Jamie on the line who asks us really, uh, about revival and these different things. And we always know that whenever God does something, as an example, God puts his mark, chapter seven of Revelation on the 144,000 Jews. Satan does the counterfeit mark in Revelation chapter Mm -hmm. 13, where you can't buy or sell without the mark, the name or the number on your hand or on your forehead. And so when we look at that, we realize Satan is always the imitator, copier, counterfeiter. Well, there's always a counterfeit movement. And I, I look at this movie, uh, Jesus Revolution is going to stir the hearts of a lot of people. I thought it was interesting. Um, uh, Kelsey, uh, is the uh, guy from Frasier who portrays Chuck Smith. And, um, uh, we, we find in this movie, he, uh, actually he was on Jimmy Kimmel's show, late night talk show host. And Jimmy Kimmel saying, yeah, everybody needs to go see the Jesus Revolution. I'm going, wow, this is a miracle that you have mm-hmm. this kind of push of this. Uh, so I believe it's going to do a lot of really good things. But there's also, unfortunately, 
the counter movement where Christians can be demon possessed. And it just simply goes back to Flip Wilson theology. I don't know if how many people remember him uh, several decades ago, but the devil made me do it. Well, the thing is, that's basically what it is. And we got a real problem with that because the Bible says we're responsible for what we do. Now, can Christians be oppressed by the devil? Absolutely. Do I believe they need to be prayed over? Yes. But as far as being possessed, in other words, reciting inside of you, absolute lie. You don't find it in the scripture. What fellowship does light have with darkness? Can a spring bring forth bitter water and sweet water at the same time? All these in the Bible know the answer is. So when we understand that these people are doing what I call sensationalism, we we really need to be careful when we see this stuff come out. And I, uh, again, uh, you know, Jeff, you've done some pretty extensive research on this. Yeah, it's it really comes down to what does possessed mean? Because I, I'm with you, Mike, that you can be, as a Christian, you can be oppressed. Uh, you can have be in the middle of a real spiritual battle in your mind. It could be a temptation. It could be a, an attack of fear. Um, but the whole idea is this. When it comes to believers in the New Testament, we read verses like this. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, clearly the idea there is he's not in you. He's coming at you from without. And so you resist him, and he flees from you. It, it doesn't say he comes out of you. It says he flees from you. In the same way that it says of Jesus when his uh, temptation in the wilderness came to an end, it says the devil left him until an opportune time. Well, goes without saying, it didn't come out of him, but it, the devil left him. In other words, left his presence. So we read things like that, the armor of God. The armor of God says nothing about a believer being possessed, but the whole armor of God is given to us so that we can effectively stand against the enemy coming against us from without, and when it's all said and done, we're still standing. Nothing about a Christian being possessed. The Greek word for possession, when you read about it in the New Testament, is daimonizomai. That's the Greek word. And daimonizomai means literally to be under the power of an evil spirit, to be controlled by an evil spirit. And we read about it many places. Matthew 4, 24, when Jesus was out praying for the crowds, it says the demoniacs were delivered. Uh, then we read in Matthew 8, 16, uh, it tells us about people who were demon-possessed and the devils came out men who were demon-possessed, uh, even a couple of children who had uh, demons within that were causing them to cast themselves into the fire and to be burned and to be suicidal and whatnot. So you, and you stop and think about the demon of Gadara or the demoniac of Gadara. Here's a man cutting himself with stones, screeching and howling at night like an animal, living among the grave stones, the tombs, he has supernatural strength. He cannot be chained or fettered. Uh, he is literally superhuman in his strength. He is a tortured, tormented individual. That is a picture of possession, daimonizomai. He, he was possessed. Now, the Bible says, you will know the truth and it will make you free. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, all has become new. 
all is become new. The Bible says, what fellowship has light with darkness? How can, how can a demon uh, abide in the same body as the Holy Spirit? It's impossible. The Holy Spirit uh, could not coexist with a demon or vice versa. It, it's impossible. So, and another thing we note here, Mike, um, when you hear these people, and this is in this movie that's coming out, they will say things like, demon of alcohol come out of people, demon of anger come out of people, or come out of them, uh, uh, demon of lust come out of them. Well, the only problem with that is the Bible never identifies any such demon. But what it does do is tell us that those aren't demons at all. They are works of the flesh as delineated in Galatians 5 and other places. So you're you're casting out a work of the flesh, which you can't do. Uh, so again, there is this, this disconnect from what the Bible clearly teaches and what these people are saying is real. So there's no demon of alcohol. There's no demon of lust. There is no demon of uh, cussing. There's no demon of anger. These are all things that God wants every believer to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to subdue their flesh and teach them to yield to the Holy Spirit and be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Every believer, Mike, as you know, is called to be controlled by the Spirit, not a demon. So those are some of my issues with it. And I just think we've got to be very, very careful in these last days where deceptive doctrines, faulty doctrines, and really harmful doctrines are everywhere in the church. Yeah, holy laughter, holy howling, uh, uh, shepherding doctrine. You have to ask your pastor before you buy a car or get married or whatever. Uh, uh, Just another one of the many. They do their damage and they move on. You don't hear anything more about them. Uh, uh, and, and so I look at this as just another one of these on horizon. We just want to give everybody a heads up. Don't be sucked into that. But, but Jesus revolution, I think you'll really enjoy that. Janie, I hope that helps and, um, hope that answers your question for you. It does. It was very helpful. Um, do you have time for one more question or not? Very quickly. Okay. First uh, Timothy one four. I just wanted to know what what you thought of that. Okay, Jeff. First Timothy one four. Don't give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes, rather than godly edification, which is in faith. Well, that's true. And, and what is a fable? It's a myth. And what is a myth? It's something made up. It's it's not real. You know, Aesop's fables. Um, uh, you know, uh, Homer's. Uh, Odyssey, Iliad, yeah, Iliad and Odyssey, uh, all of that. These are myths, fables, uh, Greek mythology, all of that. These are things that man has made up. And Paul and the, tells the other part uh, about that too, Jeff, is the endless genealogies. And it's interesting that Mormonism, <laughs> Mormonism, they they spend this great. They they have all archives of of genealogies because they're baptizing for the dead, which the Bible says you can't do. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man, Hebrews 9, once to die, and after that, the judgment. There's no baptizing for the dead. There's no purgatory, no second chance. And that's what, what the, the fables are. 
And, and so you get these genealogies that, well, I have this lineage and I am this and I am that. Listen, we're what we are in Jesus Christ. And these myths and fables, dear, just simply, just simply blend into the, to the obscurity of time when it comes to really knowing what God's word says. Janie, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, the movie Jesus. Okay. Thank you. God bless you, Darren. Stay on the line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to John, Seaside, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, John. Sorry Hello. to keep you waiting, as Hi. all of everybody on the line. Uh, but how can we help? Uh, well, first off, thanks for what you folks do. Um, I'm calling about a friend of mine. She came home to a note on the table from her husband that says uh, he's done. He packed up all his stuff and left, and he's been gone now for four or five years. Can she remarry? Yeah, it says he departed. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. I think that's pretty clear in First Corinthians seven. Your thoughts? Exactly. Uh, if the unbeliever wants to depart, let him depart. Uh, you are not under bondage in such cases. So, if everything has been done to try to make that work, and they have decided just to walk away, and that's it, that's sort of like apostasy from the marriage. So, yeah, I I believe she's she's free to move on. So if that helps, John. It, it does. Thank you very much. You have a good day. God bless you. Stay line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs, and let's go to Steve, Rimrock, Arizona. Hi, welcome. How's it going, Mike? Good, Steve. How may we help? Yeah. Hey, I want to say something real quick, and, and that is you – well, I've been listening to you, Mike, for a long time, but you are – you're. God couldn't have picked a better man than you to do this show that you do. And there's, there's so many things that, uh, uh, your voice, uh, your enthusiasm, I, you always have tremendous enthusiasm and you pick, you pick great people to be there, uh, with you. And, uh, I, I know that, uh, we, we, we all love this show and I, I wish, I wish it was on for two hours every day. But uh, Mike, what what I what I called about was that uh, in uh, um, gonna did I lose my place when I jumped to get my oh uh, Zephaniah? I, uh, I'm amazed at how many people uh, maybe don't pay much attention to it, but you know the first chapter talks about the tribulation and how God's going to wipe the the total slate on the earth, humans, the plant, the uh, <laughs> vineyards the the birds the fish everything's going but what i thought was really great in uh chapter two uh it goes on a little farther and then it uh at verse verse three it says seek the lord all you humble of the of the land who do his who do his just commands seek righteousness seek humility perhaps you may be hidden on the day of the anger of the Lord. And to me, uh, even before that, uh, he says, before the decree takes effect, uh, before the day passes away like shaft, that that this is before the uh, actual rapture happens. And to me, he's he's talking about the rapture. And here it is to me. I'm I'm seeing it right here in the in the Old Testament too, because uh, the people that flee uh, after the first three and a half years of the rapture, 
that's a different thing, and they're not really hit, and they know where they're at. Just Satan's not allowed to go in there and, and take them out. Uh, so to me, this is, again, about the rapture in the Old Testament. And I just wanted to see what you what you guys had to say about that. Well, no doubt, uh, Zephaniah is about the end time judgment. Very clear as we look at this, there's no getting around it. Some people attribute what you're reading there in chapter 3 to the 144,000 Jews that God uh, protects and, and seals away, if you will, until a time for them to be and come out during the tribulation period. However, uh, to apply it to the rapture, that's an interesting thought. And uh, your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, it's it's a great point. Um, Zephaniah, of course, a minor prophet, uh, was called of God. In its context, he was called of God to prepare Judah for the revival that was going to come under Josiah. And so you find him upbraiding Judah for their sin. Uh, you know, even in verse 2, before the decree is issued or the day passes like shaft, before the Lord's fierce anger comes upon you, he's warning Judah, you better get your act together uh, before judgment falls. And of course, Josiah came along and revival came with Josiah's reforms. But just like Nineveh under Jonah's preaching, which was the greatest revival in Bible history, probably in the history of the whole world, because the entire population repented. Uh, but under Jonah's preaching, Nineveh repented, but we know that a couple of centuries later, Nineveh was judged anyway because they fell right back into what was bringing judgment to them in the first place. Same with Judah. Judah uh, did repent. Judah uh, did submit to Josiah's reforms. But later they came under judgment anyway and went into captivity. But now, as you read it, the the truth of God's dealings and uh, sort of a uh, echo or a foreshadowing of what's to come in the last days, you can certainly find in these verses. So you have the original context of what Zephaniah, who, who Zephaniah's target audience was Initially, it was Judah, uh, but it's a, it's again sort of a double pronged type prophecy because the truth of it and the principles involved reach down to our day as well. Whether or not that's talking about the rapture, I don't know. I've never heard that thought, but I think it's worth reflection, and it's it's a good point, Steve. Yeah, so I hope that helps. And and Zephaniah, for those that wonder in the Old Testament, he was the great-great-grandson of Hezekiah. So interesting uh, how God in that lineage continued to use um, uh, Hezekiah's descendants to to um, um, warn Israel. So mm-hmm. hope that helps. Hey, thanks, you guys, as always. God bless you all so very much. And People out there, support them, please. We we need them in these last days terribly. Give all you can. Thanks. Steve, God bless you. Stay on line. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy. Let's go to Sean, Kalispell, Montana. Yeah. See, I have a question about um, whether or not when you pass on, if you to be buried or cremated. We go to heaven because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us, not because we're buried or cremated. 
The only advantage over burial, over cremation, is that I believe uh, grandkids, children, uh, especially if the person dies as younger, deal with death in a better way than somebody that's just cremated and burned up as and ashes sprinkled on a hilltop or whatever. Um, cremation was not a biblical form of burial, um, not prohibited, but not a biblical form. Uh, the Jewish people, because we are created the image of God in Genesis uh, chapter 1-2, talk about uh, uh, that we are created the image of God. So out of respect for the body, even though dead, they just let, uh, time do its natural thing. Now, of course, fire does, uh, in just a few moments, what, what a long time will do to mm-hmm. bones and flesh. But nevertheless, we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because we're cremated or not. But again, um, uh, it just seems that, uh, relatives seem to deal better with death when there's an actual closure, a body, et cetera. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, I agree. And, it, you know, the cremation only accelerates the process of what being buried uh, would do anyway. Uh, like, what is Paul and Peter, you know, what are their bodies now? Total ashes, just like they had been cremated. Uh, and only God knows where they are, but as far as the ashes. But, um uh, you know, it's, it's, as Mike said, it's not forbidden in the Old Testament. Uh, the patriarchs on down all buried their dead, uh, put them in tombs, paid a lot of money for the tombs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and so on. Um, so, and, and the pagans, the surrounding pagan nations did sometimes cremate, but the Bible doesn't forbid it. I don't see, think it's a sin of any kind. Uh, I do agree with Mike that if you have a place to go to to remember uh, those that have died, uh, you know, I think it's valuable. You can, you know, I lost my late wife um, six years ago to cancer, and I know that my children still go to the grave. I go from time to time, uh, not very often, but from time to time, and it's just good to be able to go and see the tombstone and, and know, well, this is where at least their bodies are. Yeah, you bring closure. Yeah, you can reflect and and so on and so forth. So it helps. I've never liked the idea of an urn with (laughs) your loved one's ashes sitting in your living room. Uh, I don't know. That's weird. That (laughs) that kind of creeps me out a little bit. Uh, Yeah, uh, please, no. What if it was knocked over? That would be terrible. So um, anyway, that's that's my thoughts on that, Mike. We pretty much agree there. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it does. And, um, yeah, the, the whole urn on the counter would be kind of creepy, you know. I agree with that 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, Sean, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Yep, thank you very much, and God bless. God bless you. Let's go to John, Pendleton, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Yes, I'm calling real quickly. Uh, I'm a product of the Jesus Revolution also. Wonderful. And I was I came out of uh, Campus Crusade for Christ back in 1966, and I just thought I'd mm-hmm. say, God bless you. You guys are both, <clears throat> and I'm 75 now. My wife also, Campus Crusade for Christ. I wow. found the Lord on the beach in Corona Del Mar in 1966 on spring break, out of Campus Crusade. I want to say they are. A 
great group. And one thing before before we hang up, uh, I just wanted to know if either one of you have heard the song, Are You Ready? by Pacific Power and Light, about Jesus coming again. It was a hard rock song, secular song. And I wonder if either one of you have heard that one. I don't remember that one. I probably would if I heard it. Uh, we have a sister station. You might get a kick out of it, especially tomorrow. It's Throwback Thursday. We play a lot of the old Jesus, mu- a lot of the old Jesus music from uh, Maranatha, uh, Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill, all the old stuff that we all grew up on. Pretty good. It's called EffectRadio.com. E F F E C T Radio.com, and uh, you can go there. You can hit live audio streaming, but you can also look and see where. Our stations are located across the United States. We've got about oh, almost 70 Christian rock stations, and uh, there are some, I believe, pretty close to Pendleton. You might want to check that out um, because uh, we we uh, uh, we just play a, a lot of the old Christian music. I mean, the lyrics in the old Christian music is so dynamic, it would never— be played on a Christian radio station today because it forced people into a decision with Christ. It wasn't singing about it. Or Jesus being your, Jesus being your boyfriend. Yeah. Or something. This was where, um, uh, you know, there's one song we play by the 77s. It's called, uh, uh, if you haven't got Jesus, you're just, you can go to your college, you can go to your school. If you haven't got Jesus, you're just an educated fool. And that's all. You know, I mean, pretty dynamic yeah. words. Can, can, can I shock you with something, Mike? Go ahead. I, this is this kind of blew me away, but we're seeing a lot of the secular world out there. Uh, even they're realizing that something is up, something is going on behind the scenes, behind the veil, on the other side of the spiritual curtain. Uh, you know, here's Kelsey Grammer uh, in a Jesus movie and telling telling a, a secular talk show host, that uh, it's changed his life. I heard a song that just came out by Dolly Parton, and it's called Don't Make Me Have to Come Down There. And she is singing a song about God saying to us, don't make me have to come down there and judge you. And Mike, this song, I couldn't believe it. It, it. It's It's brand new out there. Uh, it's been released just a month or two ago, and she got this song. She wrote this song and produced it, and it is all about you better repent or God is going to send judgment. That's Dolly Parton. I know. Isn't that amazing? I think a lot of these people that were raised in church, as they get older and they realize they've, they've had all the experiences, they've had the money. Well, when you're all left and done, Jesus it all is all that really matters. You might want to check that out, everyone. Effect Radio, E-F-F-E-C-T, radio.com. And uh, you might like some tasty Christian rock and roll. Thanks, Jeff, for being on. Stay on the line, John. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Joyce, Steve, and Joshua calls. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting, we promise. Till then, God bless you. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 